Everybody needs a river One that they can call their own Treat her right and she'll deliver A peace of mind that's seldom known She can drift just like an angel Like the devil run like wind I can't help but sit and wonder When will I see you again? Won't you keep on rolling, mighty river? I don't you slow up on account of me Until the next time Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirit. The show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. You know what? Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirits. Uh, my name is Treesong, and uh, we actually we have a special guest in the studio today. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? No. <laughs> it's like, um, I guess I made an untruth last week saying I wouldn't be here this week. I wrapped up my work in Ohio, and so I'm back for a day before I go to California for a week. So I definitely will not be here next week <laughs> Yeah, because I don't have a, the plane ticket back until afterwards. Yeah, so. you're not going to fly in especially just for your community spirit. It's like, well, I could see if I could fly in on the phone line. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> if I can remember that, it's a couple hours different. Yeah. <laughs> so this week is the return of Energy Mon. Yeah, it's like, this is Ord Energy Mon live, local, and in your face. We had you going for a minute there, didn't we? That uh, that uh-huh. or wasn't here. <laughs> I don't think so. They are, actually, I think we might have fooled the listeners because if they're a regular listener, they might be like, "Oh, Tree Songs pulled out the Carter and Connolly CD because Or is not here." Yeah, just, <laughs> um, we tried to come up with uh, something for Shark Week. Does anybody have any uh, shark music? The closest I could come up with because I'm not really a music person is. A river song. So. Yes. <laughs> and sharks aren't even in the river. So. Yeah. Well, I, you never know. A really ambitious shark may have swum, uh, swam up the, the Mississippi and made it all the way to southern Illinois. <laughs> Maybe. Huh. I hadn't really thought of that. So, um, If you would like to listen to us more than once, we do archive the show at yourcommunityspirit.org. So you don't have to listen very much right now. When we're talking, <laughs> just kind of... Perf- Functorily, is that a word? Yeah. Functorily, listen, and then you can go back and listen again later. You know, yeah. Because we don't really say anything important <laughs> for the first one. Whatever we record, that one's definitely important. Yeah. So, um, okay, yeah. So let's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, let's get into some of our Occupy Everywhere updates from Occupy Updates Daily. Uh, and here's one that I've uh, heard about and we get to mention on the air now. Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks, has been granted political asylum in Ecuador, much to the delight of his supporters and to the dismay of Britain's government. The British government has threatened to arrest Assange at the Ecuadorian embassy, a threat being greatly criticized by his attorney and other supporters. If Britain chooses to do so, Assange will turn to the International Court of Justice for an appeal. Assange's life may still be in danger, as some fear he has more sensitive information to reveal. Uh, yeah, so it's a big, you know, WikiLeaks, you know, it's known for 
leaking uh, secrets about what you know defense industry is doing, and uh, there's some people who don't want that stuff to get out. <laughs> and, well, I mean uh, the the bad things. Yeah, the bad things. Doing. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, I've, I haven't actually read the reports, but a lot of the reports would just be boring, you know, logistical details. We went here. We went there. But then it turns out in those details, it's like, you know, we, we killed this village full of people. You know, oh, wait a minute. Where did that come from? Yeah, and, and this is a big controversy because part of the way that embassies work is, you know, they're the... The embassy is considered to be a part of that other nation's soil, you know. Like if you're at the Ecuadorian embassy, you're in theory in Ecuador. And so Britain, in theory, can't just come and get him out of there. But in practice... So it's the Ecuadorian embassy in Britain. Yeah. yeah so they, they are offering him, you know... And, I mean, the whole idea is... I think we've, we're trying to create a uh, world <laughs> society... Of openness. Yeah. I mean, um, they have proven with um, Wikipedia that even if there's a whole bunch of people and even if there's people who want to sabotage the information, that the ultimate truth comes out. Like yeah. when people work on a project together. Yeah, the truth eventually comes out. Know, so, I mean, that's how Wikipedia works is, you know, it's actually, you know, an encyclopedia that many people work on. And even if people want to sabotage it, other people call them out on it. Yeah. You know, so the ultimate truth comes out. It does. And that, that's why things like WikiLeaks are important is because even, even if you believe that governments still have some reasons why they should keep something secret, you need, you need someone out there who is doing oversight, who's finding out some of these things and saying, hey, you know, this is a problem. Why did this happen? Why are you keeping this secret? Well, I mean, they can keep things secret, but if they're breaking you know, world laws and yeah. their own laws... That's not a secret. Yeah. I mean, that should not be a secret. No, it shouldn't. And they, sh mean, they should get caught. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like you cannot say I can, I can do illegal things um, and keep it a secret. I mean, yeah. That's, just, that's called being a criminal. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so how about this? Did you know that chalking is becoming a heinous crime in the eyes of the law? Oh, my. That's right. You, too, are a criminal. A woman allowing her daughter to draw on rocks now faces community service. Teens who drew sea creatures face fines and a court date. This non-permanent art form is somehow being turned into a quote-unquote gateway to more permanent materials, at least according to the police. What is going on here? Well, um, you can read more at motherjones.com. Um, the complete link we would have to send you it via email. Hmm. Um, if you would like to receive any of the information we talk about on the radio show, our email is info at yourcommunityspirit.org. <laughs> Chalk is a gateway to spray paint. Ooh. <laughs> those, those dangerous uh, child well, criminals. Well, it not say gateway to what. It yeah. just says more <laughs> perm permanent materials. So yeah. It could be like, I don't know. Crop circles. Those aren't, those aren't permanent. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're probably a little more permanent than chalk because you've got to knock down some crops. <laughs> so. All right. Let's see. Uh, in other news, as California prepares for a vote concerning the labeling of genetically modified foods. See how I set up that segue? You didn't even know I was setting up segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't. That it worked. Uh, and it's become quite obvious uh, who's threatened by the labeling. Companies like Monsanto, Cargill, and DuPont Pioneer have already pushed over $25 million into an attempt to defeat the initiative, 
with tactics ranging from swamping airwaves with negative info to telling consumers the labeling would cause grocery bills and taxes to rise. I thought there was, like, truth in advertising. Yeah. I mean, even, like... But I think you can advertise and then get busted for it and pay the fine later. (laughs) Yeah. Right? I mean... Yeah, yeah, if you do false advertising, you just pay the fine. Right. I mean, so they can completely and totally lie in their advertisements and then just pay the fines. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if, if you... I mean, I don't know, understand why they don't, they don't have pride in their workmanship. You know, they've made these genetically <laughs> modified foods. They should put a big label saying, look at what we did, genetically modified. That's pretty good. You yeah. Know, are they embarrassed that they, they made it? They must be embarrassed. They want to keep secret which products are there. Yeah. Our, our friends uh, a couple hours away at Monsanto must be embarrassed about uh, the, the genetically modified foods they've created <laughs> if they don't want labeling. I think you just lost your friendship i think they have just unfriended you with that comment yeah i you think said our friends and i don't think they're our friends anymore yeah it's it's one of those one-sided friendships you know i i understand them i don't think they understand me and my comments against uh genetically modified foods i don't think that was against them it wasn't just even say, against be proud yeah. of your work my friend be yeah. proud yeah that's I, I joke about it but it's serious you know if if these foods are a good thing for society then why not label them? And even if they're a neutral thing, you know, even if they don't matter as, 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 as they claim, then why not put the label just so consumers know? Freedom of information. Occupiers in Charlotte have a victory to celebrate as a judge handed down a victory, a victory, a victory of a verdict of not guilty to three protesters who had been wrongfully charged with resisting arrest. In January, the three refused to leave the tent on the lawn in front of Old City Hall and were subsequently arrested and charged. The judge ruled that the charges were a mistake because the tent they were in was in compliance with the city ordinances as there was no so there was no reason to arrest them in the first place. Yeah. So well, I'm sure that ordinance has changed now. It's yeah, like, if it's, not, they're working on it. <laughs> just like, yeah. Um cuz I mean, that's the thing. I remember, um, you know, I have on my GPS, and when I'm, like, in a town, I'm working, and then I want some, um, some relaxing time. I'll punch in park. So I punched in park. Um, where was I? Bloomington, Indiana. Punched in park, and it brought me. I went to the nearest park, and it was in front of City Hall, and it was literally a 10-foot square of uh, grass. Yeah. <laughs> and that was run by, you know, the city's park. So it was in the GPS as park. Yeah. <laughs> Parks are public property. Yeah, they are. So that little 10-foot square in front of the city hall there, I could have camped out on <laughs> unless they have rules against camping. Yeah. <laughs> so. And Well, when, and what's funny is that sometimes they don't realize their own rules. You know, if, if someone doesn't usually camp there and then they see someone camp there, they might think it's illegal, but it might not be. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yep. So. Yeah. So let's see. We have a little bit more news. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, should we move on to uh, this one about uh, fossil fuels? Um, well, I did want to mention again that it's the one-year anniversary of Occupy coming up. And so just um, if you want to remember where and how it began, there's um, we have a nice video here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a video. Of, I remember this video very vividly. It's uh, Keith Oberman reading the uh, collective, first ever collective statement from Occupy, originally aired in October of last year. It was when 
you know, Occupy was starting to build and was starting to reach public attention. And at the same time, they also came up with the first official statement from uh, Occupy Wall Street's uh, General Assembly. Well, this next one I can't really read because it's got um, cuss words in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Harry Reid slugs fossil fuels in the face. Apparently, yeah. Harry Reid no longer gives an F. How about that? That works pretty good. Gives a hoot. <laughs> At least as much as an older, tie-wearing elected official can be said to not give an F. <laughs> not that he's ever been a demure, quiet guy, but the senior senator from Nevada, the leading Democrat in the Senate, has been on a media tear of late. This is largely due to his willingness to accuse Mitt Romney of not having paid taxes for 10 years. Analogy he had claimed to get from that... Um, I can't say that one either. <laughs> yeah, um, he got from guy, some guy. Yeah, some guy, uh, a classic somebody. Um, <laughs> but it goes further than that. Closer to home, Reed is also coming out swinging on green issues as benefits a former amateur boxer. During an annual clean energy summit he hosts, he called out climate change deniers. Blam! With a left hook. These people aren't just on the other side of this debate. They're on the other side of reality. It's time for us all, whether we're leaders in Washington, members of the media, scientists, academics, environmentalists, or industry executives, to stop acting like those who ignore the crisis or deny it exist entirely have a valid point of view. They don't. He derided the fantasy of clean coal causing for the closure of a coal plant near Las Vegas. Pow! There is no clean coal, he declared after meeting with several members of uh, Indian band of Paiutes who live near um, this power plant. And, you know, um, along with the mem uh, members of the Sierra Club who want the plant to close. We have to stop further degradation of the land and air as a result of burning coal. The solution is to close the plant. So, <laughs> Yeah, he's on a roll. I mean, the most exciting <clears throat> thing about this, yeah, suckers, the climate is changing. Blam! Coal is killing kids. Pow! <laughs> now, imagine if, you know, all hundred senators were, like, fighting the fight to make the world better. Yeah. Or even just a few, you know, <laughs> instead of just the one guy. <laughs> or if he continues to do it. I mean, that's the most exciting part is... Yeah. <clears throat> Harry Reid doing something? <laughs> like, I mean, like, he's the leader, and I never hear him do anything. Yeah, <laughs> he's supposed to be the leader of the Democrats. Yeah, he's doing a lot lately, though. It's it's yeah, it's impressive. And I I really I, I'm not sure of the exact timing, but it really did seem like the issues with Mitt Romney is what triggered it. You know, he uh, he, he was mad at Mitt Romney for not releasing the tax info and other things, and then he decided to just you know, as long as he's not pulling his punches anymore, let's go and talk about all these issues. It's good to see people in in the Senate and in uh, public positions talking about climate change. So I got a chance to talk with Mitt Romney personally when I was in Ohio. Oh, yeah. Not really. I'm kidding. I mean, <laughs> How did that go? Um, I was doing a solar site visit in this little town of Chillicothe, Ohio. And the, we, I wasn't done really with the solar site visit, but the guy was, like, anxious and he needed to go somewhere. Uh -huh. And I was like, um, where are you going? Is there a game or something? You know, because he was uh -huh. – talked a little bit about sports to one of his employees. He's like, no, I'm going to see Mitt Romney. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, I got an extra ticket. You want to come? I was like, sure, why not? I, then I asked some questions. I said, you know, how long is it going to take? Where is it? Yeah. This town is a town like about Carbondale size in Ohio. And, and I asked him, how big is this town? He's uh -huh. like, 
He told me 25,000 people, but it was the original capital of Ohio. Okay. And so it's pretty classy. It has like a really classy courthouse and, you know. Um, anyway, so I get there. We actually stopped and got a sandwich. And that was the best part. The security guard, she let me take the sandwich through. Uh, yeah. Well, not even through the, the metal detector. She took it with my cell phone, and it didn't go through the metal detector. Uh, yeah. And she said, you know, it has to be squished down to a certain size. And so I squished the sandwich down. <laughs> and then, you know, I realized, you know, I could have took something in the sandwich. Yeah. Because <laughs> it didn't go through the metal detector. Later, when I'm eating the sandwich, I was like, this could have been, like, something. I don't know what. Because yeah. I was 100 feet or so from Mitt Romney when he finally showed up. Yeah, that's probably why they have it below a certain size. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, because, anyway. Um, the th- main thing was, whenever I see rallies on TV, it seems like there's, you know, thousands and thousands <laughs> of people. I doubt there was a 1,000 people there. Yeah. I mean, and they kept grabbing people from the outskirts of the crowd and, you know, jamming them in front of the stage. <laughs> yeah, to make it look crowded. <laughs> right. Um, and then they had, what do you call it, cheerleaders in the crowd, like, that would start a chant, like, USA. And before, you know, everybody would chant USA or I forget something else. Um, oh, Mitt. Mitt, <laughs> Mitt, Mitt. So he actually only ended up speaking for about 10 minutes. Um he did say one thing I liked. He mentioned renewable energy sandwiched between coal huh. and nuclear and natural gas. So yeah. it was like, we, and he said energy independence. I like that. I mean, we need to get energy independent. Um, so, yeah, there was renewable energy was in the middle there. So huh. it's like it was one of the five types of energy. So, um, so he at least acknowledges that it exists. So I'm for him. <laughs> you know, he, he mentioned renewable energy. So I was just... I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it was an experience. I don't have yeah. anything else to say. Yeah, it's, it's rare to see a big politician like that. I saw uh, George uh, W. Bush when he came through southern Illinois. Uh, but, but before all of the – it was actually before the presidency, so uh, little, little did we know what was to come. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, well – What do we got to say about politics? <laughs> we always make fun of everybody. Yeah, we do. It's like, I'm trying to think of what I can make fun of Romney there. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the. it was very interesting how they had the whole setup because they let people come in on this side. And, you know, so it was like backstage, you're coming in. And then they had a crane with about a 200-foot tall... Maybe not that big. At least a hundred foot tall flag hanging from it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like in the middle of the street. Because it was all out in the street right in front of the courthouse. Yeah. So, um, and I guess the sarcastic thing I could say is some of the people who were working for him was starting picking people out of the crowd and, and having them come up to the front part. Yeah. <laughs> and there was like a little Asian lady or probably a student. She was young. And they grabbed her and brought her to the front. <laughs> yeah, for um, the photo op. <laughs> right, you know, right next to me. So she was like, they didn't pick me. I mean, <laughs> you know, so um, I didn't fit the profile. Especially I had my work shirt on that said solar on it. Oh, yeah. They're like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did they, I'm surprised they didn't uh, push you back to the, the back of the crowd. Well, I kept trying to get people in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to be, 
you know, a good view yeah. and not be squished in the crowd in front. So I was on the side. I could look to the side and see. Um, but, and the funny thing was, the, the thing I probably got most out of the speech was the Medicare thing. He was talking about Medicare, and then all the protesters are outside were saying, don't take – and I was like, I'm fixing Medicare, and they're outside saying, don't take our Medicare. And I'm like, <laughs> who do I believe? They're both bo- both screwing the – I think they're both screwing the Medicare, and you know, they want to say the other person's doing it. Yeah. So. It's a shell game. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that was one thing I got from um, me and the guy who went there. We both agreed that – Anything a politician says when they're running for election needs to be recorded on a sheet. Yeah. And then in the first year, if they haven't started working on any all those <laughs> issues on there, yeah, they just get kicked out. You kick them out. It's like right. it's like a task list. Right. You know, like you'd have for any other job. Now, Here's it doesn't a task mean they have doing. to accomplish them. Yeah. But if they do nothing on all those things they promised, <laughs> just kick them out. You know. So. <laughs> I think we'd have a lot of empty, empty public buildings if we did that approach, yeah. at least for a little while. So. All right, let's see what we have in other news. Uh, uh, I don't know. Have you heard about this whole drought business? Uh, you know, supposedly not raining, that sort of thing. Well, I mean, it just rained. That it, means it's over, right? Yeah, it rained yesterday, so that means there was no drought, right? Uh, yeah, it, like, it didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, I, in the last week, um, you know, drove the whole state of Illinois, drove to the north of the state and back, and then I drove, you know, across uh, Indiana and almost all the way to the other side of uh, Ohio, and the corn is completely dead. I mean... Every once in a while, you'll see a patch of green corn, mm-hmm. but it's completely dry, and there's, like, no ears on it. So, I mean, that's just from personal observation, and everything has corn in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, anyway. Yeah, corn is huge. Uh, and let's see. Yeah, and it's ironic because, you know, last spring there was a lot of flooding going on, uh, but now this year farmers around the country have been watching helplessly as drought causes widespread crop damage. And the corner around here is one of the big signs of it. But the question is, how do we deal with this? Uh, you know, uh, what are ways to keep the drought from draining your wallet? As of June of 2012... Excuse me, the wallet's like holding you up and like draining your wallet? <laughs> yeah. It needs money that bad? Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, it's dry out there, so, you know, it's it sucks the money right out of your wallet, <laughs> like humidity. But yeah, more than more than half of the country in June was in various stages of drought, and more than one third of the nation's counties had been declared federal disaster areas. I mean, people who are who are living in cities who aren't directly working on the farms may not fully appreciate the extent of that. You know, uh, they, there's a lot of disaster areas because of the drought, and the number is rising. Well, I mean, it's over 50 percent of counties in the U.S. have been declared, a, you know, a disaster, you know, a drought disaster area. So, I mean, it's not a small number. Yeah. It's the worst uh, drought since 1956, and uh, it will likely impact food and fuel prices. And it, uh, it's, it takes time for some of these impacts to kick in, but they may be coming. And uh, some, So let's see, yeah. I mean, even in areas that they are irrigating, I mean, the, the aquifers are dropping, like, at an unprecedented rate. I mean, just the river itself is 50 feet below normal stages i mean the mississippi river and so i mean not only um has it not been raining 
so that the plants are getting it, we're also um, sucking the aquifers dry. So it'll take a long time to, you know, get away from that. So yeah, I'll, all I can say is at least we're not in Phoenix, where the temperature has not gone below 100 degrees all month, <laughs> and they've had the um, more days over 110 than ever yeah. in recorded history. I mean, I mean. I mean, we had it like what, 106 for like, you know, three or four or five days, and that was unbearable. I can't imagine, you know, it being over 110. Yeah, Can and then if it stays that high, then it, it doesn't cool off at night. You right. Know? That's the thing. It's more of an issue, not how hot it gets, but how cool it cools down at night. And if it doesn't cool down at night, that's where the trouble starts. Yeah. So. Yep. So. Let's see. It says diminishing corn supplies would also affect gasoline prices. Well, of course, there's a mandate on the amount of ethanol that can be included. And American ethanol, you guessed it, is made from corn. In fact, 40% of last year's corn crop went towards making ethanol. Hmm. Well, maybe we're going to have to figure out a way to not use food for gas. <laughs> yeah. you can make ethanol from anything. Yeah, if, if we're running out of our, our food, then <laughs> we so, want to use food for food first. I mean, it's probably not as dense, but you could use the corn stalks for ethanol. I mean, any cellulose-based product can be used. Of course, corn is a lot more dense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they actually have corn burners where you just pour the corn in there and then the the you know the fire, like the wood stove, burns yeah. the corn pellets. I mean, <laughs> so. Now... Electric power production can also be impacted when water supplies run low. Many power plants rely on water for cooling purposes. This is why so many power plants are located next to water bodies. So, um, yep. Anyway, now is a t good time to think about switching to renewable energy because, of course, it doesn't use any water. And the most obvious impact is the fact that residential water use can double, triple, or even quadruple in the summertime. So think about not using, you know, a lot of water. I guess we have to start thinking about conserving outdoor water use, hmm. you know. Um, so by now, it should be clear how food, water, and energy systems rely on and impact each other. Our infrastructure is connected and relies on and while it's resilient, it often takes very little to put things out of balance. So we have to just be very careful and think about the natural resources that we rely on throughout our lives. <laughs> yep. So, so it's Shark Week. What? What is it? Um, I read a statistic lately that 86 people on average a year get killed by sharks. And 60,000 sharks get killed by humans. Uh, yeah, so it's <laughs> Just, a little bit of a one-sided uh, conflict there. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yep. An estimated one-third of shark species are actually under threat of extinction, so. <laughs> and the millions of sharks are just killed just for their fin. I mean, they literally kill them or catch them, chop the fin off, and then toss them back in. Yeah. That's it, so. Anyway. I mean... So be kind to sharks during Shark Week. 
And the primary reason most people think of sharks as very vicious, dangerous things is the movie Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like... I, I mean, most sharks, honestly, aren't even that big, you know. They, they took the biggest shark in nature and tried to make it even bigger in the movie and then, you know, scare people with it. Yeah. But, you know, people, sharks get a bad vet. So, I don't know. I'm still not going to mess with one. But <laughs> I don't mess with most natural animals so. yeah you can leave them be in their natural environment all right so want to mention a couple of quick happenings oh yeah we better get in <laughs> so open mic night uh, tonight at 6 p.m at guy house interfaith center uh this week's theme is aviation that's over at 913 south illinois in carbondale and um the rice and spice dinner tonight is pizza have you ever wanted to like well we eat a lot of pizza there's yeah. a lot of different ways to make pizza. But have you ever wanted to make your own or just literally pick what kind of toppings you could put on your own pizza? Yeah. Well, this Friday's Rice and Spice is pizza. Yeah, I was surprised to learn that pizza doesn't just magically appear. Yeah, people that actually make it, you know. So if you make it, you can make it your own way. I was thinking I'd like a curried pizza. I'd like yeah. to try a curry pizza. Oh, that'd be really interesting. So... Let's let's see what else do we have coming up. The Friday night fair every Friday six to nine p.m. The town square uh, in Carbondale, a corner of Illinois and Main Street. They've got all sorts of live music, food court, farmers market, and activities for children. All right, we will see you again on the radio. Well, I won't because I can't see that way. Yeah, but I'll be traveling to California to actually go mentor a group of people at a climate conference. That's exciting. Yeah, so. Um, and I'll, and uh, next week, a happening that's coming up not this Saturday, but next Saturday is the Gaia Open House. It's a big open house over at Gaia House Interfaith Center with live music, all sorts of special events going on there, 5 to 9 p.m. next Saturday. See you again on the radio soon. And while it's cool, enjoy the nature and the area. Before the students take it over. <laughs> Welcome back, students.